0: to the Changelog episode 0.4.7. I'm Adam Stakoviak,
1: And I'm Wynne Netherland. This is the Changelog. We cover what's fresh and new in open source. If you found us on iTunes, we're also on the web at thechangelog.com. We're also up on GitHub.
0: Head to github.com slash explore. You'll find some training repos, some feature repos from the blog, as well as our audio podcasts. If you're on Twitter, follow Changelog Show. And me, Adam Stack.
1: And I'm Penguin, P-E-N-G-W-Y-N-N.
0: This week's episode is sponsored by GitHub Jobs. Head to thechangelog.com slash jobs to get started. And if you'd like us to feature your job on the show, select advertise on the changelog when posting your job, and we will take care of the rest.
1: If you're in the New York City area, startup CrowdTap needs a behavior-driven development nut who contributes to open source and knows a law of Demeter violation when he
0: sees one. If you're interested, lg.gd slash 66. And if you're looking for the best gig any passionate engineer could ever imagine, you've got to check out the Software Master Gurus at Red Radiant. Check out y
1: And London-based Alpha Sites needs a soup-to-nuts Rails dev, familiar with every level of the application from CSS to SQL and all the Hamil and SAS in between. If you're in the Covent Garden area, follow one.
0: Not to mention you'll be over there soon.
1: I will be over there soon if you're... Uh, a tweet in London. Give me a, a holler on the Twitter. Let's hook up.
0: And that's next week, huh?
1: That is next week. Fun episode this week. We talked to Carl Tashing over at Open Government. Talked about uh, some of the state APIs they've got developing.
0: This is actually, a, you know, this is probably in your m- more neck of the woods because of uh, um, Tweet Congress and your, I guess, deep desire for APIs and whatnot. But this is a fun episode.
1: Yeah, kind of a mashup of a lot of... a. Uh, passions that i have i guess
0: politics and apis and
1: ruby and rails
0: fun stuff and i think as as devs too i mean this is a real fun subject that you can dive in they got uh, needs for front-end designers too so don't feel like if you're just a rails dev or a ruby that you you can't jump in if you're a ham or a sass or a just a simple front-end design do they need your help so check out the project
1: absolutely it's the rise of the uh, citizen coder so if you want to get involved in uh and affect uh your government this is a way to do it absolutely Fun episode, should we get to it?
0: Let's do it. I'm
1: chatting today with Carl Tashian from Open Government. Carl, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit about what you do over at Open Government?
2: Sure, so uh, I'm the Director of Technology at Open Government. Um, we're really small, we're based in New York, we're a nonprofit Um and... So I end up – you know, I write a lot of the code and coordinate uh, the development on both opencongress.org and opengovernment.org, which is our newest project.
1: Why don't you give the folks a little bit of background about what those two projects are?
2: Yeah, so Open Congress um, was sort of our flagship project launched in 2007. It's an open source Rails application um, that lets uh, you read – bills in Congress and find out sort of what's going on in Congress, track people, um, in the media and, um, and comment on the bills. Um, so comment on legislation and sort of integrate some of the social media stuff with, um, what's happening in Congress and kind of gives, I think, a better interface than what you get from, you know, Thomas, which is sort of the, the U S government's, um, standard site for that. Um, and, Open government uh, brings a lot of that stuff into the state legislatures. So we started with five states, um, Texas, California, Louisiana, Maryland, and Wisconsin.
1: So I see on your site you're a partner of the Sunlight Foundation. I know when we built TweetCongress.org, we leveraged their APIs heavily. Um, Are you guys using code or just uh, getting some backing from Sunlight?
2: Uh, We're definitely using code. They have uh, so the Open States project is really the core data. They provide the core data for OpenGovernment.org, and they've really like they've done the hard work of this project in terms of you know they're writing all the scrapers. Um, That's all also open source. Um, So they scrape all of the state government websites um, and then provide a consistent API for legislators, bills, committees, you know, and votes and sort of everything that's going on.
0: So as the person who's been directing the project for this past, I don't know how long this project's been going on, but I know when we first blogged about this on the change log, it was, I guess, about three weeks ago. And I got pretty excited about just transparency in government and what that means for us as individuals. But what's the last month been like in terms of uh, not just being open source, but also moving to this launch stage?
2: Uh, I mean, it's been great. It's really rewarding to you know to to finally launch something you've been working on for a while. I mean, we've been kind of working on this, uh, I guess, on and off since last January. Um, and, you know, I know it's been sort of uh, uh, on the mi- on David's mind, our executive director, for a long time to, you know, really reach down into the states and the local governments uh, with some of the stuff that's been going on with Open Congress. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's been really exciting because, uh, you know, we're getting some volunteer developers now and, you know, getting some attention for it. And I just love to, you know, finally be getting some real feedback from you know, all over the country from people using the site. So,
0: so when you're pulling down news into uh, open government, where are some of these sources coming from? I'm seeing that some are like you know Google News and um, the Money API and Open States API. What? Tell me about some of the connections and how you're pulling back that data.
2: Yeah, so it's um, so Open States API really provides the core data set. Um, that's, the, that's the official data from the state legislatures. And then we've got um, scrapers for, you know, uh, Google News, don't tell anybody. Um, and <laughs> uh, uh, I think we're doing technorati also uh, a little bit. And then we're pulling tweets um, on the client side. So, you know, if you look up a member of, of uh, state legislature, you'll see tweets about them um, We've got uh, campaign contributions coming in from Follow the Money, which is an amazing um, organization that gathers and aggregates all this stuff. Um, that actually, so that actually is coming through. Also, uh, that's that's coming through another Sunlight API. So Sunlight took a lot of the Follow the Money data and sort of they sort of reformatted it a little bit, and they've got a site called Transparency Data, um, and we're pulling the Follow the Money um, stuff from Transparency Data.
0: I love how this is all a mashup like that. I mean, this is intense how, you know, a lot of different services can piggyback off each other and essentially this is open source and it's providing such great data.
2: Yeah, and all of these uh, APIs are open source too. Well, well, a lot of them, definitely all the Sunlight stuff and our stuff. Um, we also have a gem called GovKit that's part of this project. Um, so Open Government relies on, we, we just wrote a gem to, to wrap those APIs, the Sunlight APIs and a couple others. So That's
1: actually, GovKit's in the Q to b Covered on the changelog, I'm uh, writing a blog post about that one. I discovered that one. I kind of play in the space. Do you know Luigi uh, Montañez over at uh, Sunlight? Oh, no, I don't. Okay. Well, I came across GovKit the other night. I was looking at uh, the open government uh, GitHub page because he and I teamed up on a transparency data gem. That wraps the the sunlight transparency data API, and then I came across GovKit, and I thought, what a great name! It's kind of like um, the Jim Fog wraps all these cloud service providers. You know, GovKit kind of wraps all the different open government uh, mm. space APIs. It's really a cool name.
2: Yeah, that's the you know that's what we're looking for. Uh, I'd like to see more in there. You know, um, we just sort of did the ones that we needed for open government, but I hope that it can become a, a little bit of a hub for. Those apis yeah
1: so do you have a political background at all prior to uh, this project?
2: Um, not really, uh, so I worked at Zipcar for about five years and I built a lot of the technology behind um, behind Zipcar and then I was freelance for a while, and you know this opportunity came up and um, I sort of uh, i mean personally I felt. Uh, Really, just disengaged from politics, and um, it seemed like an opportunity to change that. To see if there was a way I could sort of find a um, a better connection with it and help other people do that. So, um, yeah, that's how I got involved. <laughs> I really think it's great. You know, a project like this helps
1: with uh, transparency. And uh, do you th- think that technology or, or projects like this? advance the cause of of transparency in any meaningful way?
2: Um, Yeah, I do. I mean, I think it's a long road, and we're sort of toward the beginning of it. Um, This is definitely, I would say, open government is a first step, um, because you know, a lot of, if you start to look at the bills, a lot of the legislation is, um, if you don't have a law background, um, it's almost impossible to understand what's actually going on. Um, And I, I think that So with Open Congress, we've sort of worked – our our fix for that, in a way, has been um, editorial content. So we have Donnie Shaw, who's just a fantastic blogger, um, writing about what's going on in Congress on our Open Congress blog. And um, I hope we can do some of that with open government as well and maybe have some bloggers in each state or something. Um, Because I think that this data does need some some editorial context around it um, for most people.
0: You mentioned you guys are have been working on this since last January, not this most recent, which was, I guess we're still technically in January, aren't we? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to advance to February as quick as we can, I guess. Um, so it's been about a year since you've been on this project. What were some of the most biggest technical challenges that you've overcame over this past year?
2: Um, I think the big challenge overall is that, you know, when you're merging a bunch of large data sets, there's always going to be a lot of sort of, um sort of hidden uh anomalies and things that you've got to uh you got to work around and um yeah that's been the challenge is just lining things up i've i've sort of learned a little bit about how to um how to manage that but it's still uh it's still something i think we we need to work on like how do you how do you sync up you know six different data sets, especially when some of your fields are sort of overlapping. Like we get, you know, photos from uh from Sunlight for some we get like the URLs for photos of legislators for some of the legislators from Sunlight. And then we go back to VoteSmart and get um the rest, you know, or a lot a lot more. And then it's sort of now you've got this field that's being updated from two different places. And yeah. You know, those kinds of syncing problems seem 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 to come up a lot. Uh, so that's some of the stuff we've been dealing with. Yeah. I think also like you know, with large data sets, there's always the um the SQL questions of sort of how do you aggregate things and um and make the site you know run fast. So, you know.
1: As you dive into the open states and, and the data that is coming out of that project, you know, in large corporate settings, you'd be surprised how much of the business actually runs, not on the sophisticated um High-end servers and things, but on CSVs and Excel spreadsheets to get passed around. What's the state of the data that you're finding in the state government level?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, Sunlight deserves so much credit for really making that happen through uh, making that stuff available through great, like, clean APIs. Um, and that's definitely a breakthrough. I think you're you're totally right about the CSV
0: files and Excel spreadsheets and stuff. Um, yeah. So when we look at the different data sets that you're kind of bringing together what, is, what are the data what is the database backend that you're using and how are you actually going over some of those problems you just mentioned
2: yeah so so we've got uh, Postgres backend and um, we're also using PostGIS uh, to do some you know basic uh, like geo stuff'' we'll, we'll, you can type in your zip code on the front page and get a list of all of your representatives from the federal sort of federal and state level and um we're also using uh we're also using geo server on this project which ties into postgis um and that's pretty interesting because we we map the geography of uh any vote in the legislature so you can actually see like you know red for republican and blue for democrats and then sort of different shading depending on whether they voted yes or no or abstain um and that was that was pretty fun to put together, also. So that's the sort of uh, those are the pieces on the back end. We also have we also did something with MongoDB, um, which I'm not sure if I'm going to regret this later because there's sort of no way to join those two databases. But but I wanted a fast way to p- track the page views um, on the legislators and bills, so we could sort of you know show people like here are the most viewed pages and stuff, um, and I, I didn't really want to store all that stuff in Postgres, so we just set up like a really simple MongoDB um, that, you know, stores the pages, and th- it's it's recording through a little JavaScript, um, just a little JavaScript hook on the client side that goes into a Rack app, so it's like very basic, um, and pretty much detached from the rest of the application. Um, so that's that's the other piece, but I think it's pretty minor.
1: You know, Mongo's got some nice operators there for increment and decrement to to handle large arrays like that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's so fast and um and we can really you know, I think because it was the kind of thing where we couldn't use an external analytics service for it. We couldn't like, pull from Google, this kind of stuff. Um, we just really needed to track it locally. But we didn't need to track a lot. You know, we just really wanted page views. Um, by. We basically break it down by hour and just make a, you know, uh, an entry in MongoDB for each hour.
0: And then how many views were on that object. So when the devs that are listening to this podcast right now, they're actually on GitHub right now. They're about to hit the fork button. When, when they hit that fork button, what are some of the things they could do to contribute to this project?
2: Oh, well, um, oh, there are just like so many. It depends on sort of the scale. But I think um, – so we've got some really good install instructions, so it's easy to get started. Um, I – you know, we've got – Everything from sort of bug fixes that are needed right now. I think that our test coverage could be a lot better. Um, you know, we're using RSpec and uh, Cucumber, and um, what else? And then on sort of on the bigger scale of things, I mean, we've got. I would love to see an API. Like one of the things that we've got that we pulled together here that I think sort of nobody has, nobody else sort of has right now is um, this district lookup thing, where you can sort of say here's my zip code or here's my address, and you can get back your legislators um, all from the sort of federal and the state level together um, and all their contact information. Um, I would love to see that as an API call that we could offer. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty simple project, but that's just an example of something that we have coming up. So
1: we have the guys from Sunlight on early in the uh, the life of the show. We're going to be talking to the Code for America guys, I guess, maybe in a couple of weeks. Um, we love projects like uh, open government that allow just developers to get involved and, and kind of give back. Um, do you see this as a trend where it's the citizen coder kind of advancing government and, and the uh, improving government around the fringe uh, from the outside in, or do you see uh, the government spaces just improving on their own just as the pace of technology improves?
2: I think both are going to happen um, sort of simultaneously. And I think that it's, it's great to see this sort of citizen coder thing because it t- those efforts, I think, um, can really push uh, the you know, bureaucracy to do, um, to do more. Uh, and I think a good example of that is the crime spotting site in uh, – the story of the crime spotting site in Oakland where um, – uh, you know, Stamen made this beautiful site that, you know, that pulled these crime maps, the, the crime data from the city of Oakland and made it, you know, it was a flash thing. This was a couple of years ago, but they um, <clears throat> they were scraping it and then this, sort of the Oakland Police Department shut them down for a little bit. And then uh, I think they had so much support and they, they had so much visibility for the project that Oakland just sort of had to cave and say, Okay, we'll open it back up again, and we'll and we'll work with you. And then two years later, San Francisco came and said, "Yeah, um, we want crime spotting too, and here's the data." And they handed over like a perfect KML file or whatever of, you know, of all the stuff. So um, I think that that's my understanding of how that went down. And I think that's that's, you know, uh, that's a great sort of uh, outcome, you know, for that kind of project. So I would love to see more of that.
0: The piece that's, uh, that I like a lot, at least from a numbers perspective and this view perspective, is the, is the money trail view. You can actually see where a lot of your money is going in your state and stuff like that. But what I find this view seems to be – like it's, it doesn't make complete sense to me. So how do you help not only pull back this data but also make sense of it?
2: Yeah, I mean I think that's really the next step. Um, we, we could use more in terms of visualizations of that stuff. Um, I think that the money trail – there's a lot of data there. Um, and we are, we're aggregating it in the simplest possible way right now. Um, uh, we had to make some changes on that kind of at the last minute. Um, so, you know, I, I think that could be made more clear. And I, I think that overall, like, that's the, that's the arc of the project is how can we just keep making all this data that we're bringing in more clear and more understandable for people. So, I mean, we're really just getting started, you know.
1: It reminds me a lot of the Document Cloud project. You're familiar with that one?
2: Um, I we actually use Jamit, uh, right. which is their asset packaging uh, thing. And I know that they're were they a Knight um, sure, we're, Fellow or something? Yeah. Sure.
1: you know what I love about the project is not only is it helping to you know turn documents into data, but at the same time, it's giving so much back to the open source community as byproducts.
2: Yeah, that's great, and that's what we hope to do too. Um, yeah, it's a challenge because when you're running a service, I, you know, okay, so I think one of the things that makes sort of open government different um, as, a, as an open source project is that it's actually a service, right? It's like it's a full Rails app. Um, and there aren't a whole lot of those, right? right? It's like mostly gems that people are contributing to. And so it's this it's this trade-off. Um, I think GovKit is, you know, we've we've broken that piece off, and I think there's sort of more we could be doing to... You know, maybe some of this Mongo analytics stuff could become its own gem, for example. Um so but on the other hand, like it's interesting to be able I, I think if you're just learning Ruby on Rails, to be able to see a whole app and sort of here's how it works. And you know, I, I would hope that um there are some sort of best practices here that we're using um or that we can be using to you know exemplify
0: a good Rails app so when you when you actually mentioned the kind of help that you're looking for and you said you need more help in the visualiz- uh, visualization sections of uh, of this application, does that mean that uh, somebody like a designer, for example, or someone who's you know an infographics nut that just you know really gets in can take this large set of data and make it make sense in unique ways that uh, can be viral, or communicated well, Is that the kind of help you're looking for as well, or is it just strictly programming science?
2: Yeah, it's absolutely that would be really helpful. And I think they, they go together. You know, I was just looking at that ProtoViz, that great JavaScript library for visualizations and you know, that kind of thing, right? We can there's a lot of opportunities on the site. Now that we have the data in place, I don't think it would very be very hard to add in some of those things. So
1: So with five states open, plenty of room for opportunity here.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And um the schedule is so Sunlight is actually working on the scrapers for the other 45. Um, and so that's sort of an ongoing project. And we will, um, we will launch, you know, as, as we can,
0: um, more states. Is that uh, kind of stemming from some of the progress needed on open states as well? Because I'm not sure if we talked about too too much.
2: Yeah, yeah, and they definitely need developers. There, uh, all the scrapers are in Python, and I mean that's really like as I said before, I think that's the the hardest piece of this whole project. I mean, they've really made it easy for us because we just sort of pull a, a data feed from them, and it's very they've made it really consistent over the last few months. And um, and you know, whereas going to these state legislative sites um, to scrape that stuff is just seems like it would be a really tough problem um, that they've taken on. The I don't know if you've looked at it, the state legislatures, but you know, a lot of these websites are—they're um, not pretty, you know—and the data is not in a consistent format at all. Well, I don't think that's their
0: their highest priority, I guess. But uh, yeah. that's a different subject yeah. and a different kind of podcast. Um, so we have Open Congress, we have Open Government, we have Open States. What else are we opening up?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really, those are are our projects right now. Um, Open treasury?
0: Yeah, I mean, let's, let's do it. I'd like to see that one next, because, you know, I've seen some great, well, here's the thing, when we, when we launched this, this, um, um, the blog post to help you guys and start talking about open government, what this means, you know, you know, I arbitrarily linked to this, I guess, pretty heavily viewed YouTube video about how, this person could not, uh, in Congress, could not answer a simple question, which was, you know, where did this large stack of money go, which was $6 trillion or something like that. Yeah. It was just a huge amount of money. And when I look yeah. at scenarios like that and she's fumbling over her answers and we can't get clear yes or no, this is what happened, or this is who we gave it to, or this is how we're tracking this money, you know, as a citizen who pays taxes and who, um, you know, does all, all the right things and, and trusts our government. You know, I got to look at at our treasury and say, you know, how are we putting out these bailouts, and how are we, and understand the the reasons. And this is not the the state of this podcast, but you know, is is open treasury next? Um,
2: you know, i I don't know for us what whether that's. Uh, I would love to see it. You know, I'd love to see that kind of thing. I think that um, these. These projects are so critical right now, um, just as you 're saying there 's just so much sort of stuff that 's going on behind the scenes um, and yeah, I mean totally open treasury uh, I think there 's a lot that can be done around elections too, you know, and oh, yeah. sort of figuring out how to i mean I spend hours and hours every time there 's an election just trying to make the right choices on the ballot, and i still don 't feel like I know. Whether I did or not, you know, in the end, it's like, um, it's really, we're, you know,
0: we're, we're always painted into a corner because we, our choices are what we're given, not what we actually truly elect in some cases. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think you ever get to make a right choice when you're at election booth.
1: <laughs> you know what I love about the open government space, though? It really cuts across both sides of the aisle. When we created Tweet Congress, yeah. we were surprised. We got an initial set of seed data from Sunlight. We were really surprised to find a two to one Republican to Democrat advantage of um, politicians using Twitter, at least at the federal level. Hmm. Um, but what we found was the developers that were interested in that space were just as fervent on both sides of the aisle. We met a lot of, of yeah. friends you know, in that space.
2: Yeah, because it's really like, you know, it's the objective uh, sort of criteria that everybody's looking for. It's the objective information. Um, hopefully, right?
1: So Ruby and Rails is the the platform behind uh, the open government website. So what were some of the decisions uh, around choosing that as a technology?
2: Uh, Well, we are sort of already invested in it with Open Congress um, and, you know, have been doing that since 2007. Um, And, you know, I also, my background is I did freelance Rails development for three years, um, and I really just, I love Rails. I think it's um, it's a great platform for making web apps.
0: So... I'm I'm curious about. I didn't look at the code base, but uh, I'm curious if they're using SAS.
2: We're using Haml, but we're not using SAS. Yeah, um, and Haml's been great. Yeah, so Open Congress is all you know ERB, and um, I mean when I just look at the difference in the files, it's just astounding. Um,
1: I'm always it, amazed at the people that pick either you know they could either hate both Haml and SAS, or they'll say I love Haml and hate SAS, or vice versa. It's it's always intriguing to me to to, to listen to the to the, I guess, opinions behind that. So why mm-hmm. Hamel and not SAS?
2: Um, you know, I don't know yet. Uh, I think, I think SAS could work for us and we have just, uh, we're just not there yet with it. Um, I guess my only concerns about these things are just, you know, how long does it take to actually serve up the page in the end? Um, and I feel pretty good about Hamel. Um, I think that it's, pretty clear now that it's just as fast as ERB RB um in most cases, right? Yeah,
1: that's the beauty of SAS. I, I end up pre compiling all my style sheets and don't even really oh, yeah. integrate with the server. You know, just spit out the CSS yeah. from SAS and link it up like you normally would.
2: Yeah, so I think we just gotta get that into our workflow. Um it's probably not even it's probably not even a question. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean given how much I love Haml and we and we love working with it, um it seems like that would be great.
1: We've been asking a series of questions here in the last few episodes, just to kind of get a better look at uh, the developers that we're profiling. So, series of uh, either-or questions, and you can say uh, none of the above if it so fits. So, Bash or Z shell? Uh, bash. And just know the answer to uh, Hamel or ERB?
2: Yes, Hamel.
1: <laughs> Your terminal
2: font? Oh, I gotta look that up. I keep changing it.
1: Because Kenneth and I are creating a site that's going to help you pick your terminal font. We just had this brainstorm about an hour ago.
2: That's a great idea.
1: We uh, we have this debate on whether or not Menlo or Inconsolata. I know you're an Inconsolata fan there, Adam, but just the serifs are too much for me.
0: Am I? I thought I switched to Menlo. Oh, did know, I get the, you to Because you twisted my arm, yeah. <laughs> I browbeat
1: you into switching to Menlo.
0: Yeah, I couldn't. Well, I used to be an Anonymous Pro user, that's why. Ah, Anonymous Pro,
1: that was the one.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I'm using Consolas on... Um, on TextMate, but then I just looked in my terminal and I've got Bitstream Sans here. I think I need to change that. That was going
1: to be my next question, TextMate, Emacs, or Vim, and it sounds like you're a TextMate guy.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Although I do use Vim a lot and have for a long time. So it depends on the circumstances, doesn't it?
0: Well, Carl, we're at, this, uh, at the point we like to ask the, the cool question about what you're doing in open source. So what in open source right now is, has got you excited that you want to fork and play with? Um,
2: I just, I love all of the stuff that we have <laughs> incorporated into open government. I mean, I think like this project wouldn't be possible without, you know, not just Rails, but just uh, these gems like Jamit, um, uh, things like MongoDB. I mean, I'm just, I'm excited about, so the whole ecosystem of um, of Ruby and... Um, and sort of rails jam, you know, gems. And, and it's, yeah, I guess it's hard for me to, to choose. I think I, I like to think about it like, like I, whatever, I, I just like, I like that there's always a sort of an option for whatever I'm working on, you know, whatever the, the job is, it always seems like there is, there is something that's going to help me along the way. And
0: um, in
2: the ecosystem right
0: now. So. so let's say you had a long weekend, a four, four day weekend and you had no open government work to do whatsoever. You weren't even going to touch it. What would you play with? Um, oh, good question.
1: So that's a loaded question because it assumes that he doesn't have a life. Like we don't have lives. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going back, I'm getting back into, I'm learning a lot right now. Like I'm, I, I think things like MongoDB and sort of document store and a lot of the real time stuff is really exciting to me right now. And, um, and, you know, it's hard to kind of keep up with all sides of the, of the web app, the sort of the stuff that's happening for the innovations that are happening sort of in the back end and then the, the more like client side stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm getting excited about the client-side stuff and the sort of the the real-time, you know, more stripped-down sites. Like, there's a part of me that wishes we had been able to use Mongo for for this project uh, because I think it's exciting. Uh, I think it's suitable for, somewhat suitable for the data that we're using. Um, uh, And, you know, but it was also just like, A lot of like I, you know, my background is Oracle um, from Zipcar, and uh, I'm very comfortable with SQL, and I'm very comfortable with that sort of that setup. So that's you know, that's the trade-off, and I think there's it's great what we've got, you know, Um, but I also could totally see this working with uh, more of a document store model.
1: Well, thanks for joining us, Carl. It's been uh, fun talking about open government, and uh, we'll keep an eye on the, the GitHub to see what uh, bits you guys are releasing next.
2: Yeah, thanks, you guys. Um, you know, I love the changelog, and uh, it's just been it, it's so important to have a, a hub for, uh, for all of these projects and have somebody talking about them. So thank you.
0: Well, we enjoy doing it. Thank you.